0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 54 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm joined by just Joey tonight. Joey, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. I
1: think Thanks. we Good. should um, <laughs> let everyone know why it's just us tonight. Yeah. Um, so we've, well, I suppose um, we've given the gift of, of, um, of a fandom to one new little lucky fella Anthony's uh, and his beautiful wife Joanne have welcomed into the world little Jerome so he'll be missing or be in sporadically for for a little bit for a while um, yeah but uh yeah it's gonna be me and H taking the reins for now so you've got the the best two-thirds of the podcast looking after you for a
0: little bit yeah there'll be no more Aussie hate on the pod whilst Anthony's off so it'll be good Just Um, blind loyalty. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Danny Rick, boy. Um, (laughs) um, Let's go. Anyway, yeah. So this week, we're going to be talking the... Formula 1 Grand Prix in Singapore which was great to see Singapore back we'll be discussing MotoGP in Thailand yep and then we'll be doing a a Bathurst preview of the Bathurst 1000 which I am keen as for next Sunday is going to be epic with the Formula 1 Grand Prix starting at 4pm as well I can't wait um but if you haven't watched the Formula 1 race jump on KO watch the Mini um you'll probably get all you need to know from the Mini um Surprisingly, Max didn't win, but it was Checo this time, so Red Bull still got the win. Charles Leclerc was second on his gearbox for the whole race, and Carlos Sainz, surprisingly, with his lack of pace, came in third. Um, McLaren had a good weekend. Uh, Lando and Danny Rick were fourth and fifth. Merck did not have a good weekend, and um, Aston Martin had a really good weekend too, actually. But, Joey, what did you think of the race, mate? Um. I thought it was
1: eventful in probably the most uneventful ways. To be honest, hundred um, percent. I thought the qualifying was interesting because of you know the um, the rain and the, and the lack of grip always throws in a bit of a curveball. Uh, it was good to see Checo on pole. To be honest, you know Max made a mistake in qualifying. Didn't even get close to the front of the grid. Uh, the Ferraris yeah. were there or thereabouts, which was which was uh, good to see and even uh oh, george russell probably had his worst qualifying session in a Merck, which was somewhat surprising so i thought all these factors would were gonna lead to a really good race uh, mm. and i think we'll touch on it at the end but i just think the uh, management of the race start uh, yep. sort of dulled down a lot of the excitement that could have come from from a A Much uh, wetter race But other than that It was a lot of A lot of mistakes From a lot of drivers I mean um, I really thought Fernando had a good chance Of of making something Out of this race But uh, his His car didn't last out Which was a bit unfortunate And in the end It was Checo Who sort of uh, Flew the flag For Red Bull In a race Where you probably Would have thought That the Ferraris Would have Had something for him Considering his form Uh, And you know for Red Bull it's not the worst result considering that it just helps him in the, the team's championship hunt and probably give a little bit of form back to Checo as well.
0: Yeah look I didn't even have him in my top 5 I haven't been impressed by Checo at all recently I think Your boy second did, up though. so
1: kudos it. to me
0: yeah that's true you <laughs> did you did. Uh, you did pick him as the winner but yeah I had zero faith I thought Leclerc had Pulled away quite quickly, which we didn't see. Obviously, they, I don't know if you saw, their start time reactions were identical. It was just that second phase. Um, Checo just managed to get more grip. Um, but yeah, great work by Checo. Uh, I saw a stat today. His best results in Red Bull have come at street tracks, and he, he just can't seem to get it together on a normal circuit, which is, which is strange. Um, but yeah, you know who else I was disappointed with this weekend and i picked him to be one of the best well, two of them i picked to be the best performers of the weekend was carlos and um george yeah. um carlos had he could not keep up with charles i was surprised with how big the pace difference was um it was good to see when lando caught up to him though he managed to pull out a bit of a gap he obviously put his foot down a little bit but he still had nothing on charles what did you think of that uh, I probably put it down to the fact that
1: it was the, – the conditions were probably a little bit wetter. I've mm-hmm. never really considered uh, which one of them was, you know, better or worse in, in, in the – in slippery conditions. And I'd like to see in the future if, if that um, – discrepancy sort of shows itself again that'd be interesting to to know but i haven't really looked into that but uh, i mean the interesting thing was he was he was so comfortable behind behind charles and um he didn't probably even need to think about passing charles in terms of how the championship is looking i don't know if that had something to do with it as well but like for ferrari was ferrari for Ferrari and also Checo, it was probably a really sort of boring race. Uh, like Charles, I think Carlos, not Carlos, Charles said uh, after the race, he said we had we could really push uh, Checo in the opening stages of the tyres, he said, but once the um, Red Bull tyres sort of warmed up, their, um, their mid and late stint pace was un- unmatchable, um, which probably lends itself to just the the tire preservation of that car and and mm. just how formidable it is i mean I'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later with the whole allegations of red bull and um the, the whole salary cap thing which is a, which is insane like what <laughs> sort of what that could could mean for the championship and if if anything has sort of happened but uh yeah like I didn't expect um, Checo to look as comfortable as he did, but he he looked pretty much like a, a world beater yesterday in in those conditions. Didn't put a foot wrong, and we saw you know Max even put a foot wrong in those conditions. Um, but yeah, for them three, I think it was a, this is why I said it was a sort of an eventful, uneventful race. Um, they just looked uh, really comfortable at the front, and they weren't. It wasn't really anything. Uh, except stuff behind them that was keeping me somewhat entertained to the race, to be honest.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we saw a lot of runoffs. We saw a lot of really slow, low-grip sort of – I don't even know you want to call them crashes, punts into the wall. Um, Mate,
0: Lewis's crash, that front wing, I don't know what that front wing's made out of, but that was insane. Like, there's barely any damage. Um, you saw Albon go into the wall; his whole front wing came off. Yeah. You saw a few others go into the wall. Um, yeah, that Mercedes, that front wing—it's happened a few times this year where they've hit a front wing or they've hit another car, and there's been pretty much zero damage. Which is could it be that the um,
1: the actual wing is just sitting a bit further back on mm. the body of the car, could be, and yeah. it's not getting as much contact? What did you mm. think about all the slow, the, the sort of slow crashes? Uh, Except for Latifi And um, um, So Joe Guang news incident Everything else was sort of people by themselves Mm. You know just lack of grip In really slow corners
0: Yeah I guess it's um, They're pushing but you had drivers like Lando Danny Rick Charles Checo Who didn't make those sort of mistakes Um, So I guess it's uh, yeah, not that I'm a World racing driver, but it's knowing the limit of the car, and some of these guys are obviously pushing too hard. Like you saw Lewis try and take, I can't remember who it was, a couple of times, and he went straight on. Um, Max tried to take Lando after the safety car. You know, he, he went straight on. Battle, I think, and he just yeah.
1: totally, totally botched it. I mean, Max tried to take um, – Max tried to take – i can't remember what it was and he totally botched it i mean mm. it was the wet side of the track and all but um yeah that was at first i thought he wasn't going to pull it up there was so much smoke um like really really sort of uh interesting mistakes that you wouldn't expect mm. these drivers to make um uh, in somewhat tame wet conditions if i have to say so myself
0: I, I tell you what, though, it has—it's been good for the championship because, with Charles coming second and Checo coming first, and Max being down in P seven, I'm not sure if this is fact, but I'm pretty sure that Max can't even win the championship next week unless both of them don't finish in the points or get you know really? minimal points again, um, because they have managed to close that gap, albeit a little bit. But um, you know, as we said last week, the only way Max could have won was if. Charles was ninth. Do you know what I mean? So yep. I think they've managed to, unless it's something where the Ferrari DNFs or something like that and Max wins, I don't think that he'll be able to win the championship at Suzuka, which would be nice to extend it a little bit. Um, but another thing that I wanted to d- discuss with you was um, Lewis has these uncharacteristic weekends once a season. I remember it's happened the last few seasons where he will make a multitude of mistakes. Of he obviously qualified okay, but during the race, I can't remember which race it was last year. It might have been Azerbaijan where he went off on the restart. Well, there were a couple of races like that last year. Is that him pushing, or is that him coming to the sort of end of his career? Do you think, like? I don't know. He just seems to be having these weekends more and more where he's making silly mistakes like he was yesterday.
1: I don't think it's him coming to the end of his career at all, to be honest. I mean... Well, I, I think, think he's, he's still trying, amazing, but yeah. I think he's more just trying to compensate for the for the lack of pace in the car, especially on a weekend like this where you think that you could make something no. out of it with the wet conditions. Um, it is uncharacteristic. Uh, but realistically, he's been like for, I think him and George have been so good this uh-huh. year in maximizing the potential of that car. I'd be happy for them to make all their mistakes on one weekend, to be honest, and then keep it rolling. Because you don't, you know, look at Ferrari, they keep, they spread their mistakes out nice and evenly over every weekend, and <laughs> it hasn't helped them that much, you know. So, I mean, I'm happy for them to do that. I think now, though, there's, a, like, a few results this week and have, I think, cemented a few positions in the standings. Like, I think McLaren's fourth, fifth um, has really helped them in, in their championship battle this this um, year. And Big I also time. think this, this Ferrari second, third has probably done the same thing for Ferrari against um, Mercedes, which is unfortunate, I think, but... I suppose it's saving Bernardo's bacon, really. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think Lewis is, is allowed a few mistakes, especially in sort of these somewhat precarious uh, conditions. I would have liked them to be a little bit more precarious, to be honest. <laughs> but Let's
0: do it, Joe. Let's discuss it.
1: All right. What are, we, what, what are we actually doing? Like, what is F1 actually doing?
0: It's, it's so frustrating you you haven't had a race in singapore for three years we've been off for three weeks the crowd is packed you know we're all sitting up till bloody 11 p.m at night trying to watch this race and then there's a bit of rain yeah all right it was quite it, it was a heavy downfall. downpour sorry but come on, like delaying the start procedure, like delaying even being able to go onto the grid until 11.30, like that is ridiculous. Like why can't they just expedite that process? I think Brundle was to- was talking about it on the, on the coverage. Why do they have to still go through the whole grid procedure, anthems, like all of that shit that takes 40 minutes? Why can't they just say, get the cars on the grid and let's go? Well, I think
1: they had a a good point. It's to do with sponsors, which is fair enough because sponsors pay the bills. But my my question is, why are we so afraid to race in the rain? You know, like by the time the race was supposed to start yesterday, the track was – it wasn't raining. The track was drying. They were pushing water off the track. So – this is this is this is the the job of 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 the of the teams. You know they know that if it's raining, they still have to go out. This is the drivers know if it's raining, they still have to go out. Why why don't you like if you're worried about standing water on the track, start behind safety car, circulate for a five laps, clear a path, and then let's get racing. I mean by the time I'm pretty sure um, after five minutes of um sort of the the comment the not even the commentators just the uh paul DeRester and crew talking about you know what was happening the pit lane was dry the track was dry it was damp but a lot of it was dry these are the best races in the world with the most high downforce cars in the world yeah it's a street circuit but let us see you know who are the Who are the rain masters? They're not giving these guys the opportunity to sort of strut their stuff in in these precarious positions. And we'll touch about MotoGP and Dorna letting their guys race in in the rain on the same day because I thought that was awesome. But what happened to like you know Spa '98? when the um when the rain was coming down like that was, was that, one of
0: the, is that Schumacher and dc the big accident
1: yeah, yeah yeah like that's one of the most one of the most iconic wet races you've got mm-hmm. um nikki lauda and james hunt at Suzuka another amazing wet race that um you know lives down in the ages i'm not saying if it's dangerous to it but yesterday was was nowhere close to being considered dangerous you know and i'm pretty sure that the the um pre-race commentary was saying the same thing, like we've got to bite our tongue because we don't want to say anything stupid mm. um, and, and, you know, bite the hand that feeds us. But we're pushing
0: the race back an hour, an hour. Yeah. It's insane. It makes drives, no sense. It drives me nuts because it's happened every time there's been a bit of water this year. Um, it's whether like, it's delayed like the, the race. prerogative. Yeah. It's like they're scared to make, It's not NASCAR. Know, like it just, Yeah. And I don't understand why Pirelli are making wet tires if they're never going to use them. It's 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 getting to a state of being ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. What? put your I big mean, boy pants on and get out there.
1: These are the drivers of the big balls. You know, let them go out supposedly. there. Supposedly. Well, supposedly, but come on, give us a show. Give the fans yeah. a show. Hundred you know, percent. You, you always use you always use the word. Um, What's the word that you use? Jeopardy. Give us a bit of jeopardy. Sort of change, change the change the pack a bit by letting them go out and drive. in well, it the was precarious like conditions
0: in Monaco. Like, how good would that race have been if they let them start off in the wet? And then they were discussing. Good. They were discussing last night about starting. You know, not doing a standing start, doing a rolling start. It's like it's not that wet.
1: No, the thing is, it's not that wet. That's what I don't understand.
0: Like, yeah, I I was not happy yesterday afternoon, uh, last night. I can tell you that much. And I was up till 2 o'clock because I stuck with it and ended up watching it. Um, It's pretty frustrating. And I think that's why I'm so excited about Suzuka this weekend being at 4 o'clock.
1: Like, but what's going to happen if Suzuka's not it's not uncommon for it to rain there as well are they going to just keep pushing the start because it's raining at Suzuka
0: well funnily enough the uh the forecast at this stage is rain so how good is that going to be if they race yeah that's right you know,
1: so I mean and then then the question becomes if they do race then is it only a thing for street circuits mmm and then yes, that why, are we, why are we racing at half the street circuits then? Why don't we put, put a canopy over them if we're building the whole, whole infrastructure <laughs> around them? <You> know, let's <laughs> race in a tent. Why not? Let's, let's, yeah. let's, go, let's go all the way. Like an indoor go-karting center. Just put a clear, clear Perspex cover over the whole track. <laughs> Let them race like that, you know? <laughs> uh, Ventilate it. it and it'll be good.
0: I, I don't I, understand the logic of it. No, neither do I. And I I don't know how you feel. And I know race director was a big issue last year with Michael Massey, but these two guys that are running it at the moment, I don't know if it's teething problems because they're so new to the role, but it doesn't seem to be working. They're running it in fear. That's what I – it feels like they're running it in fear. They don't want to step on the
1: toes of the big teams. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if they've got some safety prerogative that has come out this year, but it just feels like every decision is made in – in fear um, of backlash, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, Michael Massey is probably the most hated um, race director there has ever been, but at least he, you know, he made decisions and he stuck by those decisions and yet lost him his job. But I'd rather have someone stick by their convictions and mm. you know and then die on their sword than have what we have now where you don't know there's no consistency, you don't know what's gonna happen each week, like what decisions are gonna be made, and then from from race to race you see discrepancies in how it's been run. Yep. I mean, that doesn't sound like a, a, a sort of consistent championship to me. It
0: doesn't, it doesn't look good for the so-called pinnacle of motorsport to be running away from rain. Um, that's the most frustrating thing. I know we wanted to transition into motor straight from this, but you do have a point about, but I just wanted to discuss and get your thoughts on before we do that. Um, the whole Red Bull, Aston Martin exceeding the budget cap and, if it is true, what what do you think should happen? Um, I have my kind of thoughts, but I wanted to hear yours. Um, I don't know what to
1: believe at the moment, first and mm-hmm. foremost. I mean, nothing concrete has come out from, you know, uh, the sources that you want to hear speaking about it. It's all sort of team talk. And, um, I mean, Toto talking is it, talking it up pretty big, but I'd expect him to. Uh, Ferrari saying they want extreme... Punishments, which I expect them to say, because it will save them a lot of blushes from their their incompetence this year. But yep. realistically, do I expect much to happen from it? No, I, I expect the same thing to happen that happened with Ferrari when they thought they were, when they sort of found out that they were burning oil in the engine, and nothing happened after that, and we, all of a sudden the Ferrari was just a little bit less competitive. Um, I mm. don't think. Like I don't know, Toto made a good point about it. He said anything that you spend this year is going to help you for the next three or four years in this whole generation. So that definitely does play into it. But I think all that's going to happen is Red Bull's going to get, a, if anything, a salary cap reduction for next year's budget. I think that's what, it, I think that's what it's going to boil down to.
0: Yeah, I guess for me it kind of invalidates the whole salary cap concept if look Aston Martin uh, they've exceeded the budget it's not showing on track yeah. that one that one, fine them do whatever no one will, no one actually gives a shit about Aston Martin at this point but Red Bull they've been so dominant this year and we know how good Newey is at designing a car not, most of that probably is Newey but If they have exceeded it, and what the rumors are is that Red Bull are the ones that have massively exceeded it, there's got to be something there because it's illegal, essentially. They're not. Yeah, but
1: do you think realistically Red Bull is a kind of team who would knowingly exceed their salary budget? I mean, I th- I mean, it's possible, yeah. Yeah. but they're so they're so good at everything. I I highly doubt that they've massively blown out their budget, unless they're counting something that you know. I can't I can't see them doing it, and I I feel like it's going to be the same thing as how Premier League teams and you know European soccer teams have to worry about their but their um salary cap sort of print not is not salary cap in soccer what is it called whatever whatever the system is they give them certain leeways and certain financial fair play yeah like there's certain ways that they can justify it balance it move it into in and out of years like we us plebs don't know enough about the formula one salary cap system in itself mm. I think to really pass a judgment on any other of it I just don't see how a team as sort of uh, well run as Red Bull could make such a big mistake that's my point
0: yeah I guess like I see that point as well I just think if they have exceeded it and they have breached the rules I think the FIA and Formula 1 need to It be make disqualification. statement it has to be has and, to be and, if it's if it's that and, and if it is that like what happens to last year because they're saying they're spending from last year i don't know something about last year has has come into this year and they spent so so the only they thing spent could money that last yeah i don't know what to, is it yeah. The money they spent on r&d for it
1: last year is probably what's made the mistake but mm-hmm. a salary cap is year to year so I don't know how they're going to judge it. Like, it's it's, it's, it's all murky yeah. water, especially with other teams coming and sort of throwing their two cents in. It could 100%. just be that red pool. Like, F1 is all about exploiting loopholes. Maybe they've just but, exploited a great loophole that no one really thought of, and that's why they, their car is so, so much better at the moment. But, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to... Um, I don't think it's... Like, if it is money from last year being used this year was it even specified is is this a is this sort of a thing that f1 or fi never specified and that's why they've taken advantage of it yeah. um like we don't know but if it is something blatant i would say disqualification would would be uh probably it would probably have to happen to stop teams doing it again
0: Well, if that's the case, I think the decision needs to come out ASAP because we don't want to be in a situation where Max wins the championship and then that all changes. Do you know what I mean? But you can imagine if if that's what comes out, there's going to be
1: a court of arbitration hearing as well. It's not going to finish till the end of the year anyway. 100%. 100%. I think F1 will try and and play out the whole season and then bury it in the off-season.
0: Yeah, as Formula 1 does. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave the Formula 1 chat there. So this week we have the Suzuka Grand Prix or the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka. Um, Anthony's favorite track, Joey and I's second favorite track on the calendar. Um, I can't wait. We haven't been there in a few years. There should be a cracker race, 4 p.m. Australian time, which is even better. We finally get a race where we don't have to stay up till midnight. But Joey, MotoGP, let's go.
1: I'm going to say it again. What a race. Um, I'm going to begin with this. Unlike Formula 1, we saw two <laughs> great races in the rain. GP was awesome in the rain, but I'm going, to, I'm going to tip my hat to Moto2 this week because they were racing in some of the most awful conditions I've seen in a long time. And at first I thought, man, they're going to red flag this thing, and they did eventually, but my goodness, some of those guys can ride... Um, you know we saw a few spills and we saw you know a few guys make bad mistakes but what it really showed was there is a group of riders who excel in those conditions and i don't think they should be punished when those conditions arise because mm-hmm. other riders haven't got that skill you know what i mean and um Tony Arbelino won the race for Mark VDS. We saw Jake Dixon come fourth. We saw Canet come third. I can't remember if he came second. One of the Grissini boys. But these guys, or well, a few of those guys are known for being able to ride well in the wet. So don't punish them, especially if they're from teams that don't usually get, you know, a little bit of the limelight. Mm. I mean, that's that's what, what the, the rain is is the great equalizer we see team riders who haven't made a name for themselves able to sort of shine. Um, I mean, the MotoGP race was another very interesting one. We saw, um, Miguel Oliveira win his second wet race of the year, you know, so it's the same thing. Like you see these, um, where the specialists come to the front. Jack Miller came second, looked really good as well. Not as good as Oliveira, but he's in a rich vein of form. I can't wait for Philip Island in two weeks. Um, and then we I saw Bagnoia come question about third. Jack.
0: Tell me. <laughs> earlier in the year, he wasn't performing and obviously that's led to him being pushed out of Ducati. Um If he was showing this kind of form earlier in the season... Would he have held held onto that seat, um, mm. or do you think it's just the mere fact that he has his future sorted now and he's just riding with a bit more freedom? No, I don't think
1: I don't think him having his future sorted has has done anything. Like I think if you look at the trajectory of that, both factory bikes at the start of the year, neither of them were really riding at their highest potential. I think the bike had a lot of teething problems, but what we've seen with Ducati is that because they've got so many bikes on the grid, they have continually developed that bike to a stage now where it is, you know, in its sweet spot. And, um, I think you can see sort of Jack and Peko really picking up, you know, form at the same time of year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually crazy that, um, Jack is only 40 points behind, uh, Quadrararo after That's, sort of this the talk about sort of his performances this year from our fellow brethren. Um,
0: I saw that today. What what's what what's the point spread? So if you're first, second or third, what what, what are the points that so you're getting? Quattararo is
1: two points ahead of Bagnaya, eighteen points ahead of Aleish Espergaro, thirty nine points ahead of Bastianini in fourth, and forty points ahead of Jack Miller in fifth so realistically or not realistically mathematically jack still is in is still in a in with a chance to win the championship massive massive sort of outside chance but a chance nonetheless um but i think we've seen except for i think one spill a couple weeks ago he has been performing a lot better he's got seven podiums this year i didn't even realize that like that's that's you know not a mean like that's a Pretty consistent all it's in George in, Russell in. season. Yeah, so um, like he looked really good in the wet, and then Magnier came home in third. But the Quattararo coming home in seventeenth, no points for our, for for the championship leader. He looked, I wrote it down here. He looked like a cat in a dog pound. He was so <laughs> timid, um, so timid all race. Didn't look comfortable at all. I think we I think we really are seeing over the last couple of weeks the limitations on that Yamaha and. Um, He's sort of very much limping to the, limping to the finish line, and I think if 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 this trajectory is sort of followed to the end of the season, it's not going to bode well for him. I can see him really dropping out of the top two of the championship. To be honest, on this form.
0: Uh, well, coming up to Phillip Island, um, I guess what a. What are the talking points? Like, is Jack going to be one of the favourites? Is the Yamaha going to be strong there where he can kind of continue to defend his title? Like, what's the... I think, realistically, you'd have to
1: say Marquez would be one of the favourites because ever since Stoner's sort of left, Marquez has been the king of the island. I mean, he's coming back from injury, so I don't know if if that's going to be this year. But... I'm going to say Marcus first and foremost, just because of what history has shown us. Other than that, I think it could be any of the Ducati boys. I'd love for it to be Jack. I'd love to see Jack win on a Ducati at Phillip Island, and sort of, or I'd just love to see Jack win at Phillip Island. To be honest, it's been years since I've seen a, a Stoner win there, so get another boy, Aussie boy, on the top step. So yeah, I think Jack's really in a vein of form where he could. He, he's got the confidence, I think, to push for it. The only thing mm-hmm. with Phillip Island is that it's all, it's all mid-corner, and Jack burns up his tyres. We know that. So, can he can he hold it out for a whole race? I don't know, but but he looks like he can um, find confidence in the hard tyres at the moment, and he's going to need to run that if he's going to have any chance of you know surviving at Phillip Island and and winning the race. So you know we'll see, but I think this is the best form he's ever been in coming into Phillip Island. Uh, will it suit the Yamaha? I don't think the Yamaha has the um, has any advantages. Like this iteration of the Yamaha has any advantages over the Ducati anymore after what they seem to have done to the Ducati since the mid you know the mid season break. So I don't know. I really don't know if Cordero is going to be at the races. I hope he is because I think the championship. Will look really interesting if he's not, um, and I th- also think that he's going to have no chance at Malaysia, which is the following race, which is just massive, like two monster straights. Um, is that Sepang? So, yeah, Sepang. So you can you can imagine going to Sepang that he's going to lose a lot of time to to the Ducatis and to the Yamahas. Not the Yamaha, um, sorry, the Ducatis, the um, Aprilis, and also the KTMs down those massive straights. So he could be looking at another very low points finish in that race as well. So he will have to maximize philip Island and Valencia. But so, does the bike have the potential? We don't know anymore.
0: So there's four rounds left and there's two points rounds, in
1: it. Three rounds. Three rounds three rounds okay. two points and one race that I know for sure is not going to suit that Yamaha okay you know especially these next two races you know they definitely can have rain Phillip Island is known for rain and Malaysia is known for rain so we're going to see a repeat of what we saw yesterday I don't know
0: it's strange that they go from Thailand to Melbourne to Australia. And back, back to Malaysia yeah
1: it's a little bit but it um sounds
0: like a Formula 1 calendar all over the place. I suppose it makes the, the the
1: return trip shorter, though, from Malaysia. Yeah,
0: I guess. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> up there for thinking,
1: mate. Next level thinking. <laughs> um, one thing I will finish. I think I'll finish off on is we've seen the KTM bikes really performing well over the last probably I'd say five races. They've really picked up form, and we've got you know Jack going there next year. We know the bike can definitely perform in the wet. It's got two wet two wet wins this year and another wet win last year, which is Jack's probably best conditions. But we've also seen it perform much better in qualifying and also on race pace perform much better. So, yeah, although I don't think it is the best bike of the of the grid, I do think on the trajectory that they're going, they're looking like it's really not a bad move at all for Jack if he's not going to be on the Ducati. Um if he can maximize that bike in ktm and one thing we know is that they are spending money hand over fist um in this motor gp endeavor um i think realistically he could have a you know another strong season next year and i think the decision he's made to go to ktm looks like it it really is probably been a, a good one for the for the fact that his um you know, he could be leaving. Uh, no, he could be. He's definitely leaving Ducati. So I think he's made probably the best of a bad situation, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I, I hope it is competitive because I think Australia needs a competitive rider in MotoGP um, just to keep the everyone interested, I guess. Um, yeah. Like I, I would literally, other than this podcast, I would have zero interest in MotoGP if it wasn't for Jack and Remy. So the fact that Remy's leaving, we need Jack to be competitive, I guess. Because if he's out the back, like it's been a punish watching Danny Rick bloody qualify seventeenth and finish fifteenth. Like it's, it's horrible. So we need a competitive Australian driver slash rider in these in these premier sports. I think. Speaking of premier sport, um, Bathurst this week, mate. I'm I'm keen as. Um, what are your thoughts? Let's preview it.
1: Uh, all right, let's start here. Um, Three hundred points up for grabs on a, you know, one race event with co-drivers. There's definitely jeopardy. The weather has been somewhat precarious of recent. I want to quickly check now what the what the um, forecast is going to be for next year, uh, next week. But
0: well, for listeners who aren't in Sydney, um, our weather has been absolutely horrible recently it's like today was beautiful um sunny day but then yesterday was raining then sunny then raining then sunny and it's been pretty consistent so i think that'll uh, throw up a lot of jeopardy if it's like that on sunday rain all day rain all day that's the forecast at the moment that's as we said the great equalizer and which is disappointing because we know how good wau are at bathurst so that could um negate their advantage that's for sure um, mm. I mean
1: for me more than anything I think the biggest thing about Bathurst I think mean, more than anything at this week is that with Shane van Gisbergen's lead in the championship, he's probably got the most to lose from a, from an event like this, because it's if it's a mistake from not even just him, just his co-driver, that's 300 points he can lose in the championship fight, which would make it much more of a, um, a more attainable championship for someone else in the la- with the last two events. I mean, he still would be in the prime position, but. I mean, some would say they would probably want that to happen for the championship's sake. So I was going to Um, say that
0: probably wouldn't be the worst thing.
1: (laughs) No, it wouldn't. But, I mean, I don't want to wish that ill fortune on anyone on the mountain, to be honest. But I think uh, I'm interested to see if the pace that we saw uh, relative to the teams at Bathurst last year translates this year because we've seen a lot of that at a lot of the events this year where if you were good there last year, it seems that – you pick up where you left off, uh, but yeah, if it's if it's rain, that that really is a great equalizer. I think a lot of the rookies will definitely struggle more if it's raining. Uh, could have a lot more safety cars than we've had as of recent as well. Would also be probably a long um, a longer race, leading to more fatigue. Uh, and we've got you know we've got a few wild cards this week, and we've got the Leons, Um Fraser, I think it is wild card, and also the Matt Chatter Wild card, and the Murphy Stunaway Wild card. So you know, there's a few more cars on the on the on the grid, and probably a lot of these guys haven't had near enough near enough, you know, practice as they would would like. So to take mm-hmm. them to the mountain in the rain would be a tall ask for a thousand kilometres. But I'm pretty, I'm looking for you know, really te- treacherous conditions. But you know, it is it is the greatest. The greatest race on the australian calendar every you know and you know the anticipation just builds you know i saw an ad yesterday for the Bathurst channel coming back this week on foxtel and i was like yeah i can't wait to turn this on when i've got a free, you know a free couple minutes just to see what's you know playing mm. i saw a um i saw on facebook the um greg murphy lap of the gods pop up and i you know stopped my day just to see, you know watch those glorious two minutes and whatever seconds it is so it's i think it's a real you know it is the race that stops a nation in terms of motorsport um what are you 100%. looking forward to most
0: well just on that i was going to say that it, it is with the fresh one eyes. <laughs> it is the one motorsport event um even like i yeah, as i've said on the pod before i was Hugely into supercars in like the 2000s, Skafe Lyons, that whole era. Um, and then I kind of fell out of love with it. I can't remember why, I just did. Um, but always, every year, it was always Bathurst is on this weekend. So I think it kind of transcends the sport in this country and everyone, no matter if you like motorsport or not, gets on the, the Bathurst bandwagon kind of thing. So... Hopefully they take advantage of that and put on a bit of a spectacle. Um, look, as I said before, I'm a WAU man. I'm, I was hoping Chaz'd get the W here, or at least you know on the podium to close the gap to Van Gisbergen. Um, if something did happen to him, it'd just be nice to see the championship drag out a little bit longer. Because um, if SVG gets the win, then I think it's it, it probably is done at that point.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, Bathurst is a special race where, you know, how many times have we seen... You know, the, a battler team get a victory We saw Erebus before, they were probably the Erebus that we know now get a Victory, we've seen um, Techno Autosport get a victory there Recently as well, I mean this is a special One, because this is the last Bathurst that's Holden Versus Ford, you know, of all time Oh, there's so that it's, too it's, 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 a, it's a massive one You know, even, you can imagine all the Holden teams At the moment wanting to be the last team to You know, write their name On mm. that Peter Brock trophy as a Holden team I think Walkinshaw has spoken massively about that red bull probably the same and erebus you know would probably be thinking the same thing as the you know bigger holden teams didn't Um, even think
0: of that mate that's that's insane
1: it's massive it really is massive
0: oh i think we need to do a a pod just on the holden versus Ford rivalry at some point
1: i would like to probably in the off season when there's not Mm. much going on just just go through this you know the facts the figures the stats you know, and sort of maybe tally it up because this is going to be a, a special event. Mm. Um, and I, th- I hope it's a race that is fitting to us, you know, to a farewell to an icon. Um, I'm also very interested to see the new, I think they're showing the new uh, Ford Mustang body kit at Bathurst with you know, the new updated one, and I'll definitely be doing a you know, a few parade laps again with those things. I'm yeah. really excited for that. Um, what other
0: categories that, have they got on over the weekend? Uh,
1: to be honest, I only, I only know of uh, supercars and super twos. They're probably going to be having the, the Porsches there as well. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I haven't had a, had a deep enough dive. I'm quite but
0: sure that they were meant to have the S5000s, but something happened and that's not happening anymore. So. Apparently,
1: yeah, apparently they've got
0: the S5000s, I mean,
1: so they can't race at Bathurst, which I can somewhat understand, to be honest, mm. because of the open-wheel nature of them, yeah. um, especially coming up and down the mountain section. You know, they can – open-wheel cars can launch each other. Oh, yeah. They don't want to be launched off the track into a tree down, you know, down the mountain, which is – Definitely wouldn't be, you know, safe. No. Um, if you think about it long enough, as much of a as much of a cool spectacle it, it would be. I just yep. don't think that's even near, you know, remotely safe in terms of think. If you think about it, yeah. Um, I mean, I can't wait to break down the race after you know after it's all said and done. I mean, um, I suppose this is this is the race where where all your battler teams down the bottom of the grid know that there are things that they can do in their control stay on the lead lap minimize mistakes great pit stops you know just stay ahead of the curve and and it really gives all those small teams a chance if it's raining even more so you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so I, I that's why I think Bathurst is such a special race where realistically if you're in on the lead lap with you know 10 laps to go the last 25 minutes you know it's, it's it's anyone's game we've seen we've seen the top three cars wipe each other out not too long ago what is it 2015 2016 so it is the the crown jewel of australian motorsport for many reasons the attrition you know the mm. the the rivalry, and fifty thousand fans, you know, trackside, uh, you know, on a mountain, you know, they'll probably be in the mud this weekend. Doesn't deter anyone. Um, it's going to be it, a great event.
0: Just the spectacle, like we talk about, a and that, um, you know, the cars going over a but the cars coming over the mountain and down. Like it's just one of the down great the things in, in in world motorsport where. You know, you've even had Sebastian Vettel say, that's one track I'd love to drive on. Like, it's it's just one of the the most well-known tracks in the world. And we're pretty lucky to have it, you know, two hours away from here. So, I'm um, definitely looking forward to it. Any predictions, mate? Even though it is a hard race to... Um,
1: like last year, I'm going to predict Mostert and Fabian Coulthard just because I... I, I truly believe if you can get one of the drivers who have just left the full-time drive to be your co-driver, I think that just pays massive dividends. We saw it last year. I mean, if it's raining, I still would... I mean, Chaz is handy in the rain, probably not as handy as Van Gears, but him, Cam, and um, Van Gears are probably the, the ones in the rain that you can really depend on. Also, it's going to be interesting with because uh, Tander and lounge are very good in the rain, but they're you know a, f- a few years past their you know prime. But I'd like Not to much see. Fit. Them. Yeah, but I still would like to see them. You know, if it is raining thing is, in the rain, anything can happen. Like, it's it's absolutely crazy. You can be having a fine race and someone comes off coming down the chase, skips across the gravel and wipes you out. You know, like there's so much out of your control at the 1,000. Right. Right. I'm just really excited to finally be here this year. I mean, the, the season is two events, you know, after Bathurst from being closed. A totally new generation of cars coming in. So, I'm trying to sort of take... You know the last mem- memories of these couple of years that I've absolutely loved. You know, take it in. Hopefully, have another you know classic Bathurst farewell Holden. Uh, you know, fittingly, I hope Holden wins. To be honest, as much as that's how he's biased because I've been a Holden man my whole life. I think yeah, same. I would like a Holden to win this one more than any of the other ones. Um, you know, because of the history that they've written there and the investment that they've made in the sport and kept it going when, you know, it sort of fell on its ass a couple of years ago. I hope, you know, they can f- send off, you know, the, probably the biggest fan base in Australian sport, which would be the Holden fan base
0: off with a mm. bang, you know? And 100%. Um, hopefully have a great race. Yeah, mate, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to it. I've already told the missus that I'll be setting up shop in the lounge room on Sunday. <laughs> Bathurst, the Formula 1 Grand Prix, it, it's going to be great. Um, what are you going to have on the big screen? What are you going to have on the small screen? Oh, look, Bathurst will be on till 4pm and then there'll be it a could switching be over. be past 4pm, my friend. Oh, yeah, but once, once the Formula 1 starts, they'll be switching over, you know what I mean? Why don't you just go split screen? You can do split screen these days. <laughs> yeah, you could on okay. KO. Oh, yeah, you're right. Probably could. Oh, yep. uh, last night I had to have the bloody Premier League on my phone and the... Formula One on the screen <laughs> was pretty frustrating. Did you but turn that off after the first eight minutes? I did, mate, and I did. <laughs> That's another story for another day. That's um, good form. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Holder needs to win. Um, send them off in the right way, and hopefully, it's Chaz. Adds a bit of, adds a bit crushed, of spice. Mate. Just quickly before we finish off, Van Gisbergen on the podium in world rally champion what the hell that guy is an absolute beast well
1: it it was it was WRC 2 so the 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 feeder to WRC but still rock up mate jump in the car that everyone's you know been racing all their life finish on the podium um and
0: then say peace out I'm going to
1: Bathurst yeah peace out I'm going to Bathurst next week you know (laughs) this is what I do on my off days kind of thing um Uh. He's really a specialist for that kind of stuff to be honest i mean i don't think there's much to say other than he's he's on a level you know that not many people can you know attain which is sort of jump into so many different things and perform at such a elite level Mm. i'd love to see him do it in you know the top the top um the top Echelon of the sport, just so we, you know, we all have the opportunity to witness, you know, what he has, and even if he hasn't got, you know, a podium in him like he did in WRC two, like just the ability for other categories to, you know, give him probably the. The pays dues, you know that we know that you know the skills that he has, but for them to experience it as well, because I I do think he's a he's very much in um, a talent that transcends one type of motorsport. So mm. seeing him perform in NASCAR, hopefully he does well next year. We've seen him perform well in a GT car before. We've seen him perform really well in an LMP two car before. Obviously he does his thing in supercars. He does his thing in drifting. Um.
0: I'd love to see him transition to Indy. Like I don't think it'll happen, but I'd love to see him in Indy.
1: I think, um, especially in a wet race, I would love to see how well he performs in you know in any form of mm. other motorsport discipline. Because so I do think, in terms of how he controls a, you know a sliding car. From what, like, from all the different disciplines he's raced in, I think his 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 touch is so next level. I would love to see him to perform with the best, you know, in in conditions that he's probably I'd say better at. Um, but yeah, he's a be- he's a beast. You know, 100%. he's his absolute beast. Some would say he's a freak, but also like when you see the kind of person he is behind it, very humble, very straightforward, you know, speaks his mind, doesn't speak ill of anyone, um, you know, forgives and forgets, you know, mistakes, like he'll have his piece to say, but then he'll just let it go, like super chill. Um you know, like that's it's a hard thing to come by to be so ruthless on the track and then such a just genuine nice guy mm. off it. Uh, you know, no arrogance at all about him. I think I, I do think like him jumping into different categories even shows his humility because he knows that he's going into disciplines that he's you know not an ace in and then he's just going to you know just try it out you know it shows the, the kind of guy he is you know yeah I don't care if I come last I don't care if you know the, the spotlight's going to be on me I'm just going to go into my thing um yeah like it is really special
0: guy's an absolute weapon mate um I think we'll end there be
1: holding the Peter Brock trophy next week if it's raining don't you worry
0: yeah mate and it wouldn't surprise me at all the way he's no, been this year so um, but Yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be on next week with the uh, Formula 1, Japanese Grand Prix and Bathurst review. Um, like we say every week, keep liking, subscribing. You know, we've had a few more views on our YouTube videos this week in these past few weeks, which has been good. I think Joey's been splitting up the video, which is probably a little easier to digest. And you can pick and choose... What you want to listen to from the pod so keep liking subscribing you know leave us reviews all that kind of thing and um yeah joey thanks for jumping on mate
1: thank you very much mate it's always a pleasure
0: love it all right thanks guys
1: thanks mate